With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, chess fans. Ben here. I am off this week, but I've got some awesome bonus content to share with you guys. You might have heard my announcement a few weeks back that starting from that point, we're sharing old interviews that recent guest Fred Wilson conducted with some giants from the chess game. There are some people that you've heard on Perpetual Chess, although these are more expansive and older interviews with the likes of Andy Soltis and Lev Albert, and also people you have not heard on Perpetual Chess, like GM Arthur Bisguire, who's no longer with us and Alex Shabalov and John Fedorowicz and many, many more. The list goes on, an old interview with Jen Shahadi, Maurice Ashley, so on and so forth. So anyway, this week's episode is with legendary author and trainer Mark Dvoretsky. This interview took place in 2004, just after the fabled Endgame manual, which you've heard Hikaru Nakamura and Nazi Pekitsi and many others mention on Perpetual Chess, just after that book came out. But they didn't just talk about that book. They talked about Mark's other books. They talked about chess history. They talked about Mark's favorite books books. So this is a treat. Mark has a bit of an accent, but I think it's worth the effort. I think it's worth concentrating and listening and hearing all the wisdom that he has to share with Fred Wilson. So this is just like what Patreon supporters, people who donate $3.50 or more, that's less than a dollar a week, will have access to. There's about 100 interviews in total that I'll be rolling out one week at a time. The only difference is this interview is that you're about to hear is lightly edited. The ones that I post will not be edited due to time constraints. But other than that, what you hear is what you get. So if you like this, you'll probably like the other interviews. I also just wanted to remind you guys that the Perpetual Chess t-shirt sale has one more week left. So if you're thinking of buying one, it's another way to promote and support the podcast. Sorry for all the shilling. We'll be back to business as usual next week. But meanwhile, as I record this, World Championship Game 12 is raging on. We're at like move 20. So I've got to get back to that. So everyone enjoy this interview. I'll be back next week with more great, fresh interviews. So sit back and enjoy whenever you do find time to listen to this. Take care, everyone. Hi, folks. Fred Wilson back. And my guest tonight is international master and uh, de facto grandmaster, Mark Dvoretsky. Mark, thank you very 
much for appearing on my show. How are you? My pleasure uh, to contact with you again, Fred. Okay. Mark has actually been to my shop in New York City a couple of times, and uh, hopefully he will again on his visit to the United States, which I think is going to last several weeks. Um, and Mark is staying with Hannon Russell, the publisher of, of his new Endgame book, which has received universally rave reviews. So occasionally uh, Hannon Russell may help Mark interpret a question or, or, or not. But, Mark, let's begin at the beginning. How old were you when you learned how to play chess? Uh, uh, I was very young when I started, but maybe not uh, so young like necessary, like Capablanca or some other player, so I didn't become like a uh, so, so great player like uh, people who started from four years old. I started uh, two or three years later. At like six, seven years old? And, um, yes. Uh, yes. I read that when you were young in the, the, the House of Pioneers, you were showed a very interesting position by, by Samaga. And I'm wondering, like, who was your first chess coach? Was was it, like, somebody like Zach or Samaga or, or somebody that we've never heard of? Perhaps even in Russia, almost nobody heard about him. It's just a strong player of first category. It was, it was just a... No, like we call, uh, not Palace of Pioneers, pioneers but ho Home of Pioneers, uh -huh. so some district, uh, where, uh, area where I lived. And uh, kids visited it. He gave some uh, uh, le uh, lessons to us, but mainly he arranged tournaments for us. So it was just a place where we could contact, uh, and it was okay for us. So he, he was a nice person. He loved kids. Well, he was very old at this moment already, but he loved chess and loved kids. Uh, loved kids. So it was enough for good development of kids. Then when I already became quite good player, I uh, uh, started to study chess in the uh, of Pioneer, in the Central Palace of Pioneer in Moscow. And uh, my trainer, uh, I had a trainer, uh, very famous journalist now, Rochal. Oh, Alexander Rochal. And uh, Grandmaster Himagin also helped me. He worked in this Palace of Pioneer. Yeah. Rachel was quite a good trainer. Uh, Simagin was quite, uh, quite just a remarkable person, extremely nice person. So it was uh, quite useful for me. And uh, let me ask you a question that I, I, I like to ask strong players, because <clears throat> generally people with chess talent are, are different from the rest of us. Even if a, a man could be, or a woman could become an expert or a master, doesn't mean they have tremendous talent. Did you, early on, were you early on able to to uh, see tactics, to see three to five play variations easily, or did you have to work at tactics and really study tactical position? Uh, you know, usually uh, both uh, both answer would be correct. Uh, I uh, I could do it uh, uh, from childhood. Uh, it wasn't too difficult for me from one hand, but from other hand, I made a lot of mistakes in this area. So I need to study, I need to train to, to develop my skills simultaneously. So I cannot uh, give just a single answer. Both are correct. But uh, I was a good tactician, and it, it, it wasn't the uh, most difficult thing for me. But actually, with uh, my style of thinking, it wasn't difficult to see the tactics. I saw it uh, really very quickly. For more, more difficult for me was uh, to calculate the lines. Actually, people uh, can be divided for into a place of intuitive approach to thinking. 
horror to logical approach. The intuitive uh, players can see tactics uh, very quickly, but uh, they are lazy to calculate. Uh, logical players are opposite. They uh, can work out very well uh, online, uh, even complicated lines, but sometimes they make prolongs they overlook something. But Vinik, for example, or Kasparov was example, a good example of logical approach to chess. Tal, uh, uh, Kramnik, it's uh, intuitive approach. Uh, Kramnik, you think, is an intuitive player? Yeah. Uh, 
about Bobby Fischer, uh, he look, uh, when he played uh, his best years, he was so harmonical player that I even cannot say uh, what is the best, like his best type, intuitive, intuition or uh, calculation, logic. So perhaps he was a very harmonical player. Perhaps Spassky in his best year also was har- very harmonical player. So for some players I cannot uh, uh, specify what is the strongest side. But for my uh, majority of players it's possible to do. Oh, very interesting. You know, Lev Albert said the same thing to me several months ago on the show, that he felt in terms of sheer talent, just talent alone, Spassky had more talent than Bobby Fischer when he, when he was an adolescent. But he wouldn't do the work uh, as that Fisher would do. But, I mean, do you actually agree with that? You said that Spassky and Fisher are like harmonious players, people that seem to be able to do everything at the chessboard at, at their best. Yeah, yes. Uh, no, maybe I would uh, a little bit correct it, that uh, uh, actually all top players can do everything at the chessboard. But uh, uh, maybe it's not the same extent. Uh, uh, Something uh, for majority of players, something is more easy. Sometimes are more difficult. They can do everything, but with more efforts, uh, is a uh, better chances to make mistakes and so on. Uh, so uh, Spassky and uh, Fischer, uh, uh, they are very harmonical because it's difficult, even uh, difficult to say what is the strongest, uh, what is the weakest side. They were so harmonical players. Sounds like they were, they, we're talking about two people, I guess we can add Kasparov to this batch, <coughs> who could play any position. But, 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 but you, yeah, you're saying you're not, no, it's not clear to you what was their strongest area, but they certainly didn't seem to have any weak areas. Well, perhaps Spassky's weakest area was he didn't prepare openings as, as fiercely as a Fisher or, or later now Kasparov or, or yeah. But, uh, uh, no, no, but the uh, main uh, weakest side of Spassky, of course, was uh, his character. He was he was a little bit bohemian guy. He uh, when uh, he became world champion because he was uh, uh, he uh, he had a strong coach Bondarevsky, who was like uh, he was mentor, like very uh, very tough uh, teacher who didn't allow him. Uh, 
that surprised you that he he, he would he would do it. It surprised me a lot because I didn't expect it from him. And I doubt that he is doing the uh, same work now. Uh, so uh, he has no so great results now, maybe because he cannot repeat this kind of, uh, this kind of preparation which he did before the part of match. Very, very interesting. Do you think um, when finally some kind of world championship match is organized, do you think Gary will bring the same degree of preparation and energy that, that he used to bring to, to his next attempt at the world championship? Do you think this barrel is different, that he can still summon it up at 41 years old? Uh, well, uh, when people became older, of course, they have no so many energy like before. But Kasparov is a very, very great professional in this area. So if Kasparov will prepare to the matches, perhaps he will do it very professionally, very seriously. And I believe that he prepared it to Kramnik also very seriously. Uh, but in this case, Kramnik was prepared extremely well. And his uh, fantastic talent, his uh, young age, and uh, his talent, everything worked together very well. Uh, but Kaspar always do professional work. No, no, I, I understand. I, I, I sort of see a pattern in world championship matches. And sometimes when <clears throat> when a challenger succeeds, they surprise the champion with their with their defenses. Uh, Spassky whipped out the Tarash defense to the Queen's Gambit. must have shocked Petrosian. Uh, Kramnik whipped out the Berlin defense, which I don't think anybody's busted to this day. And I, 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 it says that if you can neutralize the world champion's whites, that somehow you beat them one or two games with your whites, you become world champion yourself. Do you think that that's, this is kind of truth there? Mm. Well, uh, it's not easy to speak about opening preparation. Actually, in both examples which you mentioned, uh, the sense of uh, the choice of opening wasn't just clear opening surprise. It was uh, the idea was to force opponents to play in unknown territory, uh, even not unknown, but in territory which is unpleasant for him, uh, uh, because every, everybody has own style, everybody has some positions where he plays better and where he plays worse. So Kramnik understood very well where Kasparov will be worse, and he forced him to play exactly this kind of position. Uh, the same was uh, with uh, Sparsky against Petrosian. Uh, but uh, perhaps the greatest example of such preparation was Alyukin's preparation against Capablanca, because uh, it was a uh, fantastic uh, insight. Uh, Alyukin was uh, the best uh, theoretician in the world at this moment, and he was a great tactician. Kasparov, uh, uh, sorry, Capablanca always ignored opening preparation. Uh, open preparation, and uh, he prefer at this moment he preferred to play positional chess and didn't want to work hard uh, on uh, calculation. So, uh, first impression that the natural strategy is uh, to, to, to use your advantages and to play sharp openings, uh, modern openings, but Alekhin did exactly opposite. He played uh, a very boring Queen's Gambit in all games, and it, uh, and it was uh, really a very a very wise strategy and it succeeded. So it's not easy to explain now why it's so wise, but when I read his article about New York tournament in 1927, like preparation, preparation to World Championship, I understood his idea, I understood why he did it, and I was very impressed by how deep he, how deeply he understood his own and Capablanca's personality. Which forced him to choose this opening. 
you, I you, think he you, discovered you, Capablanca wasn't the greatest end game player in the world. It was probably yeah, either. To, uh, to play the same end game strategy as Kalyokin was forced first uh, to become not worse than Capablanca uh, in end game. Uh, so he, uh, he spent a couple of years to improve his ending technique. So he reached, uh, he, he achieved this goal. Uh, without it, he, of course, he wouldn't be able to use the strategy. But then he, uh, uh, he understood that this strategy will bring him best results. And actually, you remember it, you remember, you, you had mentioned, uh, my article about Alyokin Capablanca. Oh, in which he saved the game. Yeah, I actually explained why, right. uh, he, Alyokin understood this game actually helped him, uh, to understand this problem. And it was the first starting point. For it. And uh, he understood uh, where he can outplay Capablanca in that game. This, my article demonstrated it. Oh, actually, it, the game was from New York 1924. It was not yes, their yes. world championship. Yes. Yes. And so it was a game he saved. When he started to work out his strategy for world championship match. Right, 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 right. And um, actually, um, again, people, if you can find American Chess Journal number three, there's a wonderful article by Mark on the Capablanca Alyekin game ending in a draw in New York 1924, uh, which Capablanca missed clear winning chances or almost a certain win right near the, t- the first time control. And Mark, you point out that, um, you know, here is where he had to do a serious calculation and for whatever reasons he made a safe move. And, um, you, you, that, that's when I got your idea that the, the logical players, sometimes they're better in crunch time if they have enough time to calculate. The logical players, I guess, don't can't afford to be lazy at all. Right, Mark? They, they, right. they don't. Uh, by the way, the, the same article can be found in Yusuf and my book, uh, uh, Technique for the Tournament Player. Ah, okay. Um, this book out of print, unfortunately, but perhaps it may be possible to find somehow. Well, so Mark, I, I attempted to discuss the differences between the first three volumes of School of Chess Excellence. And I pointed out that the fourth volume, Opening Play, is a totally different book from your other excellent book, Opening Preparation by Yourself and Your Soup Pub. But could you discuss a little bit for us the differences between your earlier Basford books and the first three volumes of your School of Chess Excellence, which I think are vastly revised and improved uh, versions of Secrets of Chess Training, Secrets of Chess Tactics, and, and, and another one I, I can't quite remember. Um, maybe maybe I uh, really, Talk about it a little because bit. Because some people really ask me about it. Uh, well, I have uh, two sets of books. I don't mention about my last book, which was published, uh, published recently. So before it, I had two series of books. One book, uh, one series of books, uh, School of Chess Excellence. Uh, it contains four books, which was written by myself. Another series, School of uh, Future Champions, which was written together... Uh, Yusuf, uh, together with Grandmaster Yusupov. Uh, 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 initially I pub- in English, initially I published the uh, first and second book, uh, School of Chess Excellence. It's uh, 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 training for the tournament, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, tra- uh, training for the tournament player, by the way, very bad title, because uh, the book deal within the ending position mainly, but it's the editor who did it, not, my, not me. And second is, uh, 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 well, the second title is uh, Secrets uh, of Chess Tactics. Ah, uh, Secrets of Chess Tactics. Yeah, yes. Then I uh, in Buffer published five my uh, books of another series, which 
collection of uh, tickets of chess trading and tickets of chess tactics. Uh, so it was uh, the, the same books, but uh, uh, they were changed a lot, uh, improve, a lot of improvement, a lot of uh, new corrections, some new chapters or new examples and so on. So it was, uh, but the next two books of the series, it's new books, uh, it wasn't published in English before uh, by Basford. So, second, third and fourth. So the third and fourth books of School of Chess Excellence Uh, 
championship match. And then, but you said in your book that later Tabernadzi actually apologized to Alexander. Right, right, uh, right. When uh, uh, you know when uh, the match was played, Tabernadzi uh, uh, was quite uh, unpleasant uh, woman, and uh, even in her in the Georgia, uh, a majority of people didn't like her. Uh, when uh, he won, uh, when she won the size of fifteen, fifteen game of the match. It was described in my book, this game. Uh, I was in a stadium, uh, in football match, uh, uh, in Belize, and it, uh, it was de- uh, declared, uh, the dictator told that, uh, Chibordanidza won the game and, uh, saved the her title, uh, world champion. Uh, nobody applauded. Nobody applauded in the stadium. Nobody applauded. No, uh, next day, Alexandria sixth game of uh, match and equalized the score. Uh, it was uh, ovation. All uh, the whole uh, the whole was uh, applauded. Uh, I don't know very very long. Uh, Alexandria already was ready to go home, but still uh, they still applauded. So it was a great difference uh, with the popularity of two players. But uh, then Chibordanidze uh, improved a lot. It's, uh, he, uh, she became much better person. She understood perhaps something. She is religious. Sometimes it helps people to understand. You I was going to say, Mark, do you think that she was negatively influenced by uh, Eddie Goufeld, who, as we all know, uh, I'm has sure. very questionable ethics? I'm sure. Wufield uh, is a very talented person, but uh, he was a dishonest person. Uh, yeah. No, well, it was a very great article of Sasonka about him. Uh, this article represents, you know, the, the, the reliable pastor, Chastillos, and uh, it was a collection of great, uh, great essay about Chastillos. Uh-huh. Very honest essay, and uh, essay about Wufield was very honest. And uh, it really represents him like person. Yeah. So uh, certainly she influenced by bad way for her. Perhaps some other people as well. Ah, interesting. Um, Mark, a uh, couple of more questions uh, about your own career. Uh, it's clear to me from looking at some of your games, and you're honest enough to admit this in, in your books and uh, even in the, the two articles in American Chess Journal. That the openings were not your strength, and for whatever reasons you didn't like to study opening theory deeply, and that that therefore in, in tournaments you did well in, even in playing for fourth and fifth in the Soviet championship and winning the Moscow championship and team events, that you would be often saving yourself in difficult positions with yeah. with, with your tactical skill or with your at least understanding, like what's the most important thing happening in this position. I know there's one game. I think against Kapitgut, where you sacrificed your queen for two bishops, yes. and, and your opponent, your, your teammates were all saying you blended your queen, and you said no, it's not so simple. And um, but my question to you is, do you think it seems to me that you played a lot of King's Indian attacks? You also yes. played Exchange Roy Lopez often. That you played sort of second line openings with White, like like what Kasparov would say are not the most principal variations. Right. Do you think that's the reason, as a practical player, that you didn't become like a twenty six fifty strength grandmaster? That you didn't like really 
want to do yourself personally the work on the openings to, 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 to make you that much more of a dangerous competitor. Not that you lack the talent. Well, uh, it was uh, just my weaknesses, like, it was my weaknesses of, uh, like, chess play, it was weakness of my character. I wasn't a good fighter. It was a one serious drawback when I played, and I wasn't uh, pro uh, professional enough for uh, my preparation. I uh, tried to do what I like more, and I didn't, I wasn't able to force myself to do what I really need. Uh, well, I was, uh, already I understood chess enough, to understood what I need, but I had no had no enough I had no strong character enough to force myself to do uh, right thing. So well, it was the reason why I didn't became top player. I was in a, I was in sort of fifth position in the world. It's also not so bad, but perhaps I could uh, reach more if I would work seriously. Well, it's just my personal weakness. Uh, so that's an amazing fact that as an international master, as an I am, you were ranked thirty fifth on the FIDE rating list. And, and people understand that even back then, there were probably 400 grandmasters. So, I mean, it shows how strong you actually were. And, of course, by playing in the Soviet Union, where you can't play when you want and where you want, you didn't get the opportunities to play abroad much and to get the GM title. I, I think that was just it. Yeah, it was very difficult to get the opportunity to play for title. And when I got this opportunity, unfortunately, it was happened in a very bad period for me. When I was uh, extremely disappointed by uh, Chekhov behavior after the World Championship, so I was uh, maybe one year at least I was uh, in trance. I was uh, I was uh, my nerves uh, didn't work well, and uh, by this reason I didn't play successful important tournament in the Kanzai. Uh, year before I won uh, the uh, second group with result uh, nine wins and six draws. And uh, this great advantage for, uh, and uh, got the right to play in main tournament. But uh, main tournament I played at this bad, a bad period for me, and by this reason I uh, had uh, one, point, uh, one point less than Grandmaster Norm. So you, in normal conditions I certainly would make this Norm without bigger forts. Yeah. So no, that, that, that seems very, very clear. I, I noticed um, in, in your interview with American Chess Journal with Timothy Hanke, you were Pointing out um, that somebody asked you about a book by Israel Gelfer, who was a, uh, an Israeli coach, who wrote a, quite a, a nice book on combination play called the Positional Chess Handbook, but it's really about combinations. And you said it might be a good book. You weren't familiar with it, but, but was he actually strong enough to explain certain positions? And I, I understand that you have the confidence to, to know that if you sit down and analyze something deeply, that you are analyzing it as a strong grandmaster in terms of your understanding. Right. Uh, but the problem uh, when not so strong players play, uh, uh, write the books is not only the problem that they cannot analyze. No, sometimes uh, amateur make amazing analyzes uh, and uh, can demonstrate a lot of interesting ideas. Problem that uh, such players don't have enough experience uh, with teaching chess. Maybe or with uh, playing own chess uh, on a uh, good level. So uh, it's difficult to understand some chess problems just from the book without own experience, the playing experience or teaching experience. So uh, it can be a very intellectual person. He can make a lot of interesting uh, logical insights, but still uh, the best uh, the best books, the best results uh, 
can be reached by uh, people who have enough experience in the area where they write about. So it's the, way, uh, the reason why I don't trust the, uh, such books uh, by uh, authors who don't have enough experience here, don't uh, have enough strength in this area. Uh, sometimes uh, it's clear that in some cases I can be wrong and such book can be excellent. Well, uh, I, I hope you're wrong about, about, about me, Mark. <laughs> I mean, my, my friends are 2300 players. I write books on tactics, but but they're not mind-bendingly difficult tactics. So, uh, but I think a book for amateurs uh, or for beginners is another area. Uh, in this area, I am a specialist, so I cannot judge about such books. Uh, like, uh, uh, my main work was for chess players who already reached some sort of level of strength or who wants to work very seriously, very professionally. So I prepare my materials for such players. So I am specialist in this area. But uh, training of beginners is absolutely another area of chess, another area of training. And here I am not specialist. I have some guess about this. Uh, I, perhaps I have some opinion about this. But uh, I cannot insist on my opinion because uh, I don't feel myself confident in this area. Um, Mark, uh in uh, your interview in American Chess Journal, I think it's about 10 years ago, you, you said you had collected 3,000 positions or so. Yeah. And uh, knowing you, you, you haven't stopped collecting positions. I mean, positions occur, which, which are very interesting, you know, almost every day. Um, how big is your collection of special training positions now? Well, I, mean, well, I continue to develop uh, this collection. Or uh, I can uh, correct um, a lot of positions because uh, when I demonstrate it to students, uh, they sometimes uh, make new suggestions which I didn't expect. Uh, I, I checked it and uh, insert some new remarks. Uh, so this collection exists and uh, I use it uh, uh, always in my training work. I use it for, uh, for writing my books. But it, it, has it expanded? Is it now maybe 4,000? Uh, actually, I didn't calculate it. <laughs> it's difficult <laughs> to say. 3,000 thoughts was uh, not accurate. Uh, uh, and now I can say that 4,000, but uh, it's not accurate. Uh, perhaps something like this. Uh, no, I recall. I don't care about quantity. Because uh, I'm, uh, for me, the most important thing is qu uh, quality position. It's very easy, easy to find uh, 10,000 of positions or something like this. But uh, I need to do, to do with uh, the best it's actually an exercise which can impress students, can uh, really make a good impression. Uh, otherwise, it's, uh, my lessons will be not so effective. The lessons are effective if you demonstrate some important chess ideas and uh, illustrate it by uh, brilliant examples, which exactly illustrate your point, which can be remembered well, which can... Uh, so, a strong impression helps people to remember the ideas. It's what I aim in uh, my training work. So, for this purpose, I need to have very good examples, and by this reason, exactly, I started to collect these examples. From the very beginning, I understood that quality of examples is extremely important for quality of training work. No, I agree. I was actually impressed that in your book, Opening, De Opening Developments, I, I believe you, you show a game that you lost to Raskowski in 1974. It's a criticize yourself. You said you were hit with a new idea, and instead of trying to analyze something that he had obviously analyzed at home, uh, you, you kind of took the easy way out and find it, finally ended up losing a point and getting a bad game. 
And then later, you, you realize that if, had you done the work at the board, um, you could have gotten compensation for employment in a couple of different ways, very complicated calculations. And then, then you were using it as a training position. And then finally, a student of yours later, you don't mention his name, found an even simpler way to deal with this idea. So it sounds like your positions sometimes they like grow and evolve, and that the truth is not even discovered by you immediately. It takes like you and three of your students over a decade to finally get to the absolute truth about some of your training positions, which I find fascinating. And, and did right. I describe it? It's uh, a very important way to improve my collection, of course. I always uh, uh, fix uh, all instructive, interesting results which I get from the lesson is any position. So my collection uh, all this uh, change uh, is changing a little bit. Now, I, I, at a lower level, I teach talented children who, let's say, are between 9 and 1600 strength. And whenever they find an idea that I hadn't thought of in a position that I thought I, I really knew cold that was really good for this or that reason as an instructive position, when they find something new, I am so happy. I mean, I think that's so are you when, when that happens at a higher level. When they come up with an idea which never occurred to you, never occurred to Yusupo, maybe, or Domatov, suddenly a new idea about a, a viable move or plan in a position, and they find it, then that must make you very feel satisfied. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Uh, usually it really impressed me, especially when new discoveries are very nice. Sometimes it's opposite happens that uh, after new discoveries, I see that I just cannot use this position more. This position <laughs> became uh, controversial, not interesting, and something like this. In this case, I just remove it from my collection. It also happens quite often. So the various situations happen. And uh, re uh, recently, uh, I uh, prepared some uh, game articles for uh, Chess Cafe site. And uh, I uh, when I already sent the article, I demonstrated results uh, to my students. And sometimes they discovered something new, very interesting. I, I was forced to uh, correct it and to send new version to and to make feedback for Hannah Russell because uh, I wanted always to see the best version of my article. <laughs> so it happens in the very last moment before publication. Uh, uh, so uh, it's the reason why uh, second edition of the uh, my last endgame book in German is differ, differ, differ from the first edition and English edition is differ from German edition because uh, I always try to find something new and to insert all improvement. So I always try to keep the best version of all position which I, and all text which I have. So the, the, the body of your work, your, your three, four thousand positions, is a constantly evolving and growing thing. And you just, you, it's getting more and more valuable. I mean, did, were you ever going to issue a, a CD-ROM or something like that of all these positions? I, I thought I read about that at some point, but maybe that did not happen? Well, uh, many years ago, ten years ago, even more, uh, the computer program was created for, uh, uh, which based on my collection of exercises. Uh, program for training of chess, uh, for serious training of chess players. I believe that it was a very good program because it uh, gave opportunity which was impossible to get from the books or uh, from, uh, yeah, it was possible to get only from personal contact with trainer. So the program could replace trainer at some extent. Uh, so this, I didn't intend uh, sold a few copies of this. 
Uh, in some moments, we started uh, to work. Uh, I started to work on the Windows version of this program. Not me, of course. I am not programmer. Some programmers work for me. But this work was very unhappy. Uh, it's uh, long, several years. And only now we have this work close to finishing. So maybe, I hope that maybe in next year this program, a uh, new version of this program will be ready and maybe it will be possible to buy. But I'm not sure uh, now. <laughs> I'm very cautious about time. I think Hannah and I are both drooling at the thought of, of being able to sell this program, right, Hannah? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Fred? Uh, we're, 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 we can't wait to sell a CD of, of his 3,000 positions, uh, a Windows version. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the world uh, will welcome it uh, like they did his Endgame book. Yeah, so Mark, um, I'm going to just ask a couple of more questions before we take a short break of three to four minutes. Um, I noticed in this interesting interview that you did with Timothy Hankey for American Chess Journal, I think about 1993, um, you gave this man, he was a a 2100 player, you gave him a, a, a list of books that recommended for home study. And I'm just wondering if there's anything you, you would, would would add to this list, and do you still agree with it? It was a, it was a very interesting list. It, Al Yekin's My Best Games of Chess, both volumes, and you wanted Fisher, My 60 Memorable Games. You suggested he get Test Your Positional Play by Bellin and Ponsetto. Yeah. Uh, Zurich 53 by Bronstein. Uh, one of my favorite books, and I'm, I'm very glad to see it confirmed by somebody with your experience. You recommended The Best Move by Horton and Yansa. Yeah, I really like this book. I think that's a great book, and it's a, it's a very demanding, it's a high-level book. Yeah, uh, right. It's out of print, people, and it was an RHM paperback, and if you can find a copy for $20, get it. It is a great book of middle game positions. Yeah, it was a very good uh, collection, a very good choice of exercise, and very good short and clear explanation, a very witty explanation, so it's a really great book. Yeah. Then you said, Keen, this interesting choice, Keen, Learn from the Grandmasters, and you said not all of his books are good, but this one is. But actually, as you'll recall, most of the book was not by Keen. It was top players sending right. in their remember, right. favorite game that most influenced them and the, 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 their best game, annotated by them. All right, all right. Well, uh, but I couldn't mention every author of this book. No, 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 of course. Because uh, you can find this book by, his, by using his name. And now you said another book I think is very good. You said Madness, Practical Endgame Lessons. Right. And you said anything by Madness is good. Madness's work seems to exemplify the careful empirical approach. I'm not sure that I know well uh, these books. So I know this book, and I liked it, but I cannot say anything about his other book just because I don't know them. Uh, sometime look at, um, he wrote a book, Strategical Chess, or something that was reprinted by Dover. It was just 30 uh, positional games that he annotated very um, didactically, very much from a teaching point of view. I think you would like it. Uh, but Edmar was a friend of mine, and I felt that the man tried very hard to do good work. You also said, of course, Blugievsky, Grandmaster Preparation. And Cherashevsky's Endgame Strategy. Yes, is there anything you would add to that list now, ten years later, to an aspiring 2000 2100 player? Would you add anything to that list I just read? Of the books written since 1993? Yes. 
What might you recommend to, to, to us people out there to, to, to improve? Who are decent players already, if not mass? Well, actually, a lot of books was uh, published, and uh, some of them very good books. Yeah, no, well, I, uh, no, I, I, can, uh, I don't know, do I need to say about my own books? Oh, of course, I, no, yes, besides yeah. School of Chess Excellence. Well, uh, you know, I, uh, I never uh, write any book just for, uh, for writing, just to get the money for some publication. So I wrote books only when I practically uh, could foresee the whole material which I will include to books, uh, which I knew what ideas I would like to demonstrate and so on. So uh, by this reason, I, I uh, hope that I have no any weak book from myself. At least uh, uh, all my books got uh, uh, very, uh, very good uh, reviews. But uh, I believe that my most important books and perhaps the best book which was published uh, it, uh, this year, no, uh, now it's already in the last year, <laughs> yeah, in, 1990, in uh, 2003, uh, it's uh, an uh, manual, my manual, which was published by Hannon Russell here in America. I believe that uh, this book is really very important for all chess players. Maybe, uh, maybe it uh, will not sound uh, modest enough, but I believe that it's only decent endgame uh, endgame manual, but not collection of endgame, not endgame reference books, uh, but endgame manual. Um, endgame uh, books which teach endgame theory. There, uh, there, uh, there is another aspect of endgame play, endgame technique, and from this point of view, Mednes books, which, I, which you mentioned, or Trzeszewski books, are great books. I very like them. Uh, I think you also but, like uh, the endgame theory. On, I on it's only, there is uh, only good endgame manual. So I can recommend this book very much. Uh -huh. um, and, uh, of course, uh, I, I like uh, some uh, books of uh, some other authors. I can mention some books. Uh, no, John Nunn uh, is a great author, of course. I really like his uh, very small book, uh, The Secret of Practical Play. I, I like uh, I believe it's written very well. Uh, he published some other very good books. Uh, yeah. Uh, books, have, uh, have you seen The Road to Chess Improvement by like, Irma Linsky? It's quite a good book. Uh, actually, I didn't, uh, I don't like some his articles, his style, his article style, how he uh, consider the uh, events in chess world sometimes. But this book, I believe, was written well and it's a useful book for chess players. I can recommend it. Yeah. And um, have you read Watson's two new books? Uh, uh, I didn't uh, read his last book. Yes, I didn't see it. Uh, I read his previous book. The Secrets of Mind. Uh, yeah. right? uh, I can say that it's a very serious book. Uh, he worked very seriously on it, so uh, it's uh, worth to see and worth to read. Uh, but I disagree <laughs> with some of his uh, general conceptions in this book. Uh, but uh, at least uh, uh, I cannot say that uh, this is a, a bad book that uh, I cannot recommend you. Uh, there are a lot of books which was uh, written very superficially, which don't uh, don't uh, keep uh, valuable information practically. But this book is serious. It's a really serious book. I just disagree with some conception. Well, that's interesting. I mean, he he, um, he he feels it's been overemphasized that he was talking about rule-independent calculation and that what he's noticed is that the, an almost dramatic change in certain chess strategies, and uh, one which, is, as you know yourself, is these early flank pawn 
space-grabbing moves like G4 and the slab defense. But did you notice something, Mark, about a couple of days ago on Chess Today, the Alex Baborin's thing, which I, I hope you get because it's really good. Um, suddenly in the Philidor defense, of all things, Shiro just threw out move 6G4 against the Philidor, just, just, just as a, like, like he did it in the Slav 12 years ago. And well, the impossible thing is to try to knight h3 and uh, to knight defense, and it's also, uh, it's also was, uh, something absolutely unstandard, or uh, he tried to play king 2 in king's gambit with white. So, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, now uh, the quantity of position which people play, quantities of ideas which people try, uh, increased a lot, dramatically, because uh, uh, much more people are playing in chess and uh, uh, so people tried a lot of new ideas, some of them are very unusual and very dynamical, but uh, it was the same uh, in past, only with a, small, uh, with a uh, shorter amount of such positions, and uh, so uh, some sharp, uh, shorter, shorter amount of such sharp ideas, but they existed in past as well. I believe that in past people also didn't think about general rules and also calculated lines, a lot, mainly, uh, practically always people make decisions uh, by mainly by concrete calculation of position and don't remember about general it's a principle which was explained to me in lectures, in some lecture in Moscow University which has no any connection with chess, so that uh, when we study rules and uh, abstract ideas, we don't use them uh, in any area not only in chess, we don't use them directly, it's enrich our intuition, intuitively, uh, after that intuitively we approach to situation better, we intuitively we think in the right direction, so it's why we study rules, why it's so important, but not because we use it in, uh, uh, when we solve problems directly, so I believe that in past it was almost the same like now, so it's not a really dramatical difference. Uh, night, uh, night on the edge of board, well, uh, if you will remember to go knight and knight five, in right, right. knight defense again, you see that he tried it many times. So, I don't think that uh, uh, the great uh, progress of chess, and uh, it's, I don't think that it's uh, changed the nature of the game so much. It changed the, uh, the, the enrich dramatically quantity of ideas which we use. Uh, it's really true, but I'm not sure that proportions of sharp ideas, of standard ideas, was changed now. The uh, majority of games was played normal, very solid openings, and so uh, in past it was the same, uh, but some games were very dynamical and very unusual. It was in past it was the same, so I, I'm not sure that uh, this uh, approach is really, uh, of uh, this idea of Watson is really uh, correct. I doubt about it. Well, it's very interesting you say that, because, like, you and I are almost the same age. I'm a year older than you, Mark. And I have always felt that a player like Emmanuel Lasker was totally iconoclastic, meaning that he tore down the idols, that the rules, the idols, didn't mean anything to him, that if, if this man was a calculating machine, and he proved it into his old age, 67, 68, and... Um, if you, I, I don't know if you agree with me, but I, I would think that, that if he was today listening to these discussions of rule-independent calculation, and like we consider many, many more types of possibilities than, than great players 100 years ago, I think he would just smile and say, you don't really.
really know what we were thinking about. But did you would agree that Lasker was kind of a, a, a rule breaker himself and very successfully for like 40 years at the chess board? I very respect Lasker, by the way, like a player. I annotated here some of his game very deeply. And in one of my articles I mentioned, Lasker, Lasker point of view about the, uh, on, this, on this problem uh, which he expressed in his, uh, in his manual. Uh, he commented, uh, he, annota- uh, he, uh, he uh, mentioned some racist annotation to opening, uh, some opening when in uh, Adios and Defense, why it played after uh, the first move, why it played 93, black pace on C3, and white pace is deep on, uh, on C3. And uh, uh, Rekia wrote that after that, black can get upon majority on king side, and uh, the game became technical, so black should just technically to prove his advantage. Lasker uh, wrote that, well, the game cannot be constructed on such narrow idea, and uh, uh, when uh, Rekia uh, analyzed concrete lines,
the by the way uh, you know this uh, American book the system uh, oh that's the system oh, uh, well five for a suggested very strict uh, system of approach to position you, you, you mean uh, five for a letter's book um, I don't know I don't believe that it uh, can work well but uh, even uh, in this book Berliner uh, formulated first, uh, first rule that if some technical reasons exist so all uh, this rule will not work so uh, absolutely <laughs> correct remark so uh, some technical data of position of course can reject uh, can, uh, can remove all uh, general considerations uh, Kavablanka by the way wrote about the same he analyzed Znot uh, Kabarovsky book uh, where Znot Kabarovsky analyzed three main elements of position uh, space uh, material and uh, time development and uh, he analyzed position by using uh, those elements and tried to evaluate position by uh, using those elements Kavablanka wrote that uh, well it's, uh, very often it works but uh, with, uh, he demonstrates position where uh, one side has all advantages and all elements, but still has lost position. So everything can happen. Uh, any te- technical data also concrete uh, features of position can uh, if, uh, can reject all rules. So uh, and the people in past understood it not worse than we understand it now. So it's not some great uh, dis- discovery. Of no, no, there's, there's no one. Um, there's no magic potion to, to make to make to make just completely solved. I think um, sometimes the problem is to discover the hidden principle which is operative in a position. And it may not be obvious at all, as, as you have told us, Mark. Mark, I've got a bunch of questions for you uh, via the Internet. Um, a fellow uh, named Marcus Domanski sent me a quite a good group of questions, some of which you've answered already. But um, he, would, um, he has several good ones that I think you would like to answer. For instance, which is the best book in Russia that has not been translated into English yet? And, and maybe I, you answer I, I should mention this book. What uh, is it? The Lipnitsky book was the best. Okay. Uh, yeah. I've actually because heard... The majority of uh, good Russian books were just lost translated already. Uh, for example, I didn't know about the book about uh, uh, the match between Nektal, uh, first match. It was fantastic book of Tali, one of my favorites. But uh, just a uh, few years ago, I uh, was said that Hannah Russell published this book. But I didn't know about it, because I didn't see it in bookstores in, uh, in Europe. So, But it's a really fantastic book. Uh, I, I actually think Hannah is in its fifth edition, right? Ah, it's yeah, it's uh, the fifth edition. Editions right. of this book. Um, what do you think about several recent popular books, especially The Method by Dorfman and Reassess Your Chest by Silman. Well, about Silman books, I saw them. I believe that it's a quite serious book and uh, but I cannot uh, evaluate it properly because his auditorium, his uh, readers, it's a little bit another reason, uh, readers than my books. But at least uh, I saw that his uh, uh, his example uh, point of you and so on. Fred, we have our first okay, caller. We have... we have Sean from Oregon, Fred. Okay, Sean, what's your question for Mark Dvoretsky? Hi there. Uh, I can barely hear you. 
Well, um, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. I have a I have a good question for uh, for Mr. Dubrovsky, I think. What's that? Uh, you guys are doing a terrific job on the show here. My question is, uh, now, Lobos Kavalik had written a, a, an article in Inside Chess years ago about the preparation he had done with Nigel Short. And basically my question for Mark Dubrovsky is, is, does, does he think that Kavalik's approach, that his uh, his recommendations to Nigel Short were were sound, were good? Like, I guess uh, he had recommended that Nigel Short play like the King's Gambit against Gary Kasparov in the 1995 World Championship match. And I was just kind of curious to hear what, what his take on that kind of well, recommendation would uh, be, because, uh, you know, he uh, you knows know, an awful lot about... It's very difficult to say about Kavalik's preparation on Short, with Short because uh, I didn't participate in the preparation. If I would see how they work, if I would see some analytical results or some, uh, I, uh, I, w I would be able to judge about it. But uh, very difficult to say something which I wasn't involved. But at least I saw that uh, short results in this moment was great uh, to beat Karpov at uh, first time when it was first time when non uh, another player beside Karpov beat Karpov. And uh, so perhaps he, he, he made a very good job uh, with preparation. I be, uh, but uh, I cannot be comp competent in this area, of course. I didn't see how they worked. Okay. Uh, thanks for calling, Sean. Thanks, Sean. All right, thank yep. you very much. Keep up the good right. work, guys. Um, let me just, again, slip in this question. What do you think of uh, Dorfman's The Method in Chess? And then I think he wrote a sequel to it. Uh, which he basically tries to identify um, the good chess players being able only to identify critical positions and, and what decisions to make in them. I think you have some objections to his overall uh, quote method. Actually, uh, this book, uh, both books, I consider like very bad books, extremely bad books. I believe that this method cannot help at all. I uh, most uh, most said uh, think that. Uh, uh, I tried uh, to look on those books by uh, eyes of uh, amateur who like to, uh, to get lessons. I didn't find any convincing examples of uh, how his method works. Actually, in any uh, in any in the in your book in the books, uh, usually uh, it's possible to prove any idea. You can uh, demonstrate uh, a good example for any idea, even absolutely stupid idea. But uh, I was very surprised that he even. Uh, was unable to demonstrate any convincing example which really illustrates how his system can work, can help uh, seriously. Actually, you even shouldn't, uh, it's absolutely clear that uh, uh, it's, uh, chess is too complicated game and it's impossible to create some simple system which uh, will enable you to make uh, very good decisions. Uh, it's just impossible in principle. I know it from all my practice. I can guarantee it to any listener. Yeah. Uh, but Dorfman try uh, to convince you that he knows the secret and uh, try to display it. This secret doesn't work even with his own examples. It certainly will not uh, work with another example. So um, he just cheats with readers. Uh, it's especially said that uh, Dorfman itself, he's an extremely fine player, a very respectful like player. He's really, has evaluated position extremely well. I very like his games, especially his old games. Uh, and also he's a very successful and good leg trainer. So it's uh, 
seven. I wasn't that thrilled with the books either. And John Watson kind of smelled a rat in, in the books too. He he felt that that it was they were over oversimplified and that the examples he said the same thing you did, Mark, that the examples didn't always relate well to what he was trying to prove. And, yeah, John Watson's review usually a very objective and a very uh, yeah, very well balanced. Uh, so uh, maybe I can I I am reading. I read uh, many of his reviews. And maybe I have uh, was disagree with some his point, but basically it was very good review. So uh, it's very good that we have similar point of view. Yeah, and uh, it's clear that we aim, we approach to those books from perhaps from different position. I I approach uh, he evaluates the book itself. I uh, I approach like practical trainer who like to get some useful information from those books. So and uh, it's very good that our opinions are about the same. Ah, okay. Um, this um, Mr. Demansky who sent me this nice group of questions. Again, thank you, Mr. Demansky. Um, he has some more good questions for you. How do you rate the classic books on the middle game by Irva and Tachman? Irva and who? Tachman. I 
ну, well, uh, 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 was the sense to uh, write if I don't feel myself like a very good specialist. So, I could play this opening, but it doesn't mean that I can write a very good opening books about it. I believe that my article uh, about this opening, which I included to uh, one of my book opening preparation, uh, uh-huh. made impression for some players. I, uh, I was said that young Morozevich started to play this opening exactly after reading my article. So my article impressed him for it. Uh, uh-huh. It was uh, very good, uh, uh, very nice to listen about it for me. But actually, I even didn't write this article for Grandmaster. It was just introduction to the opening for amateurs. So I didn't uh, uh, consider it like a real opening investigation. It was just my own impression about this opening. That's all. It's good for article, but not for the book. Ah, okay. <clears throat> I'll remind people, opening preparation by Mark and Yusupov is out of print, Bashford book. And again, it's a, if you're interested in King's Indian Attack and many other good things in the book, if you can find a copy for 20 bucks, grab it, because it's out of print now. Um, okay, another question from Mr. Domanski. Uh, what do you think about Berliner's and Shvesnikov's and maybe even Tarash's approach to opening play. They all seem to claim that there is only one correct way on how to handle the opening. Well, uh, I don't believe it at all. I, just, I have just an opposite position. But uh, uh, maybe it makes sense uh, to just to find my article about Berliner book, uh, Berliner book in Chess Cafe, inside Chess Cafe, in Archive of Chess Cafe. Uh-huh. Uh, this my article was published here, and I was very proud that I got uh, the letter from Mr. Berliner, which he, uh, he wrote that he has a very high opinion about my article. It's uh, maybe uh, the only time what happened that I wrote a critical article about somebody, uh, some book, and the uh, book of somebody, and uh, this person uh, made uh, such opinion about my article. Of course, it's uh, mainly demonstrate uh, the high intellect, the high uh, quality of Berliner himself, because he was uh, uh, smart enough to don't uh, try to uh, consider my article like something insulting or something like this. So uh, he, I very respected uh, him like person even before I wrote this article, but when I uh, knew about his reaction, uh, reaction I uh, began to respect him even more. Well, that, that's interesting. I, I found his book almost frightening <laughs> because uh, I would, would try and keep it away from young players because God help if they believe anything in it. Um, yeah, I don't believe one thing he believed system like this. Um, but, uh, still, but this book was written by very serious uh, and very intellectual person. So in my, my article was balanced. So I demonstrated why I don't like this approach in general, but I demonstrated also some uh, positive of this book. Well, I mean, it even wasn't a review of this book. It was uh, the article about some features of this book. So we should, we should perhaps, book. Mark, explain to people that Hans Berliner, who won the World Correspondence Championship, was a very strong player uh, at Correspondence. He wrote a book called The System a couple of years ago, in which I think he claimed 1B4 was the, the best and only correct move for white A. And he tried to set up systems against all black defenses to D4, which seemed to involve a pawn on F3, right, Mark? Not a knight. Yeah, 
And he was like saying, he, he, he admitted in the book he could work out a system against the Nimzo Indian with a point on F3 that really gave White an advantage. But he was sure there had to be one. But I, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry when I read that. I mean, but, uh, the way his opening approach uh, reminds me very much of Philidor's approach. He also tried to uh, place his pieces behind pawns and have a good pawn chain. So it's about uh, some Philidor strategy. <laughs> well, I, I guess it worked for him. And oddly enough, he won the world championship mainly playing Aliakin's defense against E4 and letting people build big centers and then he destroyed them. I mean, don't you find that ironic? That was his favorite defense when he was a player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, one more question for Mr. Demansky, and then I'm sure Tony has a bunch of questions. Um, what is your opinion about the analysis of Fisher's style in The Russians versus Fisher? Have you ever seen that book, Mark? Of, of oh, I, I don't know this book. Uh, I knew... I, uh, uh, I knew... Because I, I'm waiting when this book uh, is pu- will be published in Russian, uh, because uh, it certainly will be published at some moment. Uh, for me, it's much easier to, uh, to read in Russian, so I, uh, I didn't hurry to read, uh, read this book. Well, p- perhaps Hannah can, can show you a copy of that, too, but it's basically all the reports that the grandmasters were forced to, to give about their uh, analysis of Fisher's style and, and suggestions on, on how to defeat him. Uh, how Spassky should defeat him, and everyone was made to contribute to that, Mark. I think probably not you, but by 72 you were probably still not one of their, their top players. Or were you asked to c- contribute something in 72 to, to help uh, defeat Fisher? Or were you too young by, at that time? No, unfortunately, yeah, fortunately, no, in 1972 uh, I was nobody, so I wasn't, uh, wasn't involved. Uh, I was worried uh, about uh, the a little bit late. There are also actually not too many players were involved to Karpov's preparation. Actually, almost all Russian top players were involved to uh, preparation of Karpov against Karchnoi before Bagio, uh, before Match and Bagio. It was a real uh, I know a lot of names of Gridmaster who was involved. I, uh, fortunately for me, my students uh, wasn't involved. It perhaps was only strong players in Russia who wasn't involved to preparation of Karpov against uh, uh, against Karchnoi. And uh, I was worried uh, very much about it uh, if they will ask me to uh, to help Karpov because I didn't want to do it. Uh, so I thought what, how I can refute this uh, uh, this offer if they will ask me. And I found the only uh, only way to do it. I uh, I understood that I should uh, uh, declare that I am so great trainer that I should uh, get great honorarium dollars. In this case, Karpov is a very greedy person, so he would never pay it. So it was <laughs> the best way to refute this offer without political explanation of some political reasons or some personal reasons. So fortunately, I wasn't need to do it, but I already prepared this.
uh, it sounds like you do know how to plan ahead. You, you had a defense prepared. Yes, yes. yes. Very good. Tony, could, could you read some questions? And I'm sure you've received a bunch over the ICC from Mark Dvoretsky. We have about 15 minutes left. Yes, we have a question coming in from Florida. Question is from Bengals on the Internet Chess Club. Uh, Mark, what is the best way to study openings without having to go out and buy a book? What I have been doing is playing over master games of that opening. Is this good enough, or is there a better way? Uh, well, I'm not a specialist in openings, so maybe uh, my recommendation because uh, have no to big value. Uh, I believe that some, uh, I like some uh, very good opening books or opening articles which explain uh, main ideas, main uh, right approach together with some essential lines, with minimum of essential lines. Uh, my article about uh, Kizindian defense, uh, Kizindian attack, was written in about the, the, uh, this, uh, this way. Uh, I can mention uh, Chernin and Albert book about peace defense. It's a great book which was written serious games a year should a professional play a year? As many as it takes to earn a living, or is there some sort of maximum number of serious games? 
No, I cannot make any recommendation because uh, uh, all people uh, have very difficult uh, positions in life. Uh, they have uh, very uh, different resources of free time. It uh, have different character, different chat experience. So uh, it's very difficult. Uh, I usually avoid to make any concrete recommendation of this nature because I just don't know. I can't say not more than 100 games or something like this, but uh, it's almost nothing because who knows why exactly this teacher uh, uh, I could have a very good, a very good experience, uh, just less or more this, and to know to compare the results. Nobody did it, so everybody expressed his feelings at this moment. The season can be changed uh, uh, 20 minutes later, so it's almost nothing. So I avoid some recommendation. I very like one story uh, which uh, I read about some uh, very good Russian teacher pedagog Makarenka. In past, uh, he, uh, he wrote uh, some book, and after that he became very famous in all country. And uh, he started to get a lot of letters with questions. Uh, no, uh, some father asked him, "Okay, my son did some bad things, uh, this and this. How I should react? What I should do in this situation?" Makarenko answered, "Well, what I can say, I don't know what the weather was at this moment when it was happened. So how I can give, give you the advice?" So any small detail, you understand the sense of it. Any small details can be essential. Uh, so how is possible to make general advice on it? I avoid. I usually try to avoid such advice. Uh, Mark, I, I would add that actually Alex Sabala uh, was asked the same question at, um, about three weeks ago on my show, and he said he had a trainer in the Soviet Union, uh, actually in Latvia, but. Uh, uh, who suggested to, to the, the, the young, talented students like, like him and, and Boykevich and others that 60, 70 games was ideal, and more than that was not good because you wouldn't have sufficient time to analyze them properly. It's uh, the Phoenix point of view. Uh-huh. And Shabalov admits he has to play over 100 games a year to, to make a good living as a player, though. Today. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, circumstances, the uh, age of player, his experience, uh, and so on. So many, too many factors. So I don't believe any formula. But Vinnik gave such uh, certain recommendation just because he did it, himself, he followed it himself. He did it himself and he believed that I did it. Uh, it worked very well for me, so it should be good for everybody. Well, I understand that this logic is not solid. So it doesn't work. So basically, so I avoid such recommendations. Uh, I, I agree, Mark. Uh, we got about eight to ten minutes left, folks. The number is 318-699-9921. 318-699-9921. If you want to call in live and ask a question of Mark Dvoretsky. Tony, a few more questions for Mark. Yes, we have a question from Win Westminster, Colorado, from Mythic Legend on the Internet Chess Club. Uh, ask Mark if there was a reason why he wrote the School of Chess Excellence in the order that he did? Uh, 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 well, it was, uh, uh, I thought about my very first book, uh, uh, what I should uh, write about. I already had my impressions about training work, uh, but I decided that uh, to write something like a clear training system, uh, like my system of Nimsovich, it's uh, too risky and too dubious things because I, 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 I was young, but I already understood that uh, various approaches are possible. There are some important principles.
I uh, try to find the form of this book, how I can uh, demonstrate my experience, my ideas, but uh, what's the proper form? And I found this form. I will uh, just uh, will write down uh, will write down some essay, essay about the various uh, important problem of uh, chess preparation. So I don't demonstrate c- clear, strong system, but I, dem- I but simultaneously I explain uh, a lot of important things which I uh, know about chess with good example. So it's for how I found this form of the book. It's a collection of essay. Actually, all my books. Uh, besides the la- very last one, it was a, a collection of essays on various chess problems. Some of them are very important and quite uh, long. Some of them are very short. Uh, but it's a form of uh, almost all my books. Only with my last endgame manual, I saw that I really can uh, describe the system of approach uh, to endgame uh, end theory. I can give you the whole material which is essential for chess player. So it was the only my book which was uh, written by another, mm, another way, where I gave the whole system. So all, uh, all other books was written by the colonial, like collection of essays. I decided that it's the best way for me. Uh, that reminds me, I uh, do uh, highly recommend that uh, uh, a serious player, somebody who's already become a relatively decent player, uh, does should study and read my system by Nimzovic. Right, it's a very good book. Uh, even though, as you point out, that he attempts to to, to give answers for everything, and, 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 and he can. Uh, no, actually, I consider Nimzovic's book like uh, also uh, investi- uh, just a set of investigation on many positional problems, uh, and uh, and he investigated it by very practical way. Uh, uh, he gave good examples. He uh, gave a lot of a lot of advices which combine both chess and psychological aspects uh, of approach to position, and it's really right approach and really very important because chess itself, uh, chess laws itself, doesn't work. Chess players should study how to use it himself, so how to think about this matter. And Nimtsovich uh, uh, wrote exactly in this uh, by this way. So uh, Nimtsovich approach I like a lot. And, but uh, well, uh, a lot of things uh, which he wrote about actually doesn't work well now. But still, it's not so essential. It's uh, uh, you should study them, you should uh, use it somehow, and then. But you should understand that all his uh, his principles can be violated uh, very often. And so sometimes you don't need to attack the base of pawn chain from the uh, 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 uh,
we say here, that's what makes horse races. Uh, Tony, two more questions for Mark, and then I, I think we'll wrap it up because I think you've just arrived in the United States today, Mark. Is that correct? Yekin's gun is writing in from Miami, Florida. The question is, Mark, what is your opinion of Lasker's manual of chess? Lasker is too smart person, so any of his writings should be very instructive and good. Yeah, Lasker is a great player and great uh, chess writer. I very respect him. Well, that's a, a ringing endorsement. Okay, Tony, one more question from Mark Dvoretsky. Okay, we have a question from Ottawa, Canada. Anglosphere is writing in and says, what do you think the chances are for Peter Spidler to become the future world champion? Peter Spidler. Spidler is a great player and very experienced person. I will respect him, but I doubt uh, that he can become a uh, world champion. Uh, his health may be not strong enough. Maybe his character, is, uh, he has no skill uh, instinct like Kasparov or some other Karpov, uh, some uh, world champion. So I very like Fiedler, but I doubt that he will become world champion. But who knows what the system which we will, we will have in, uh, for world championship. In knockout tournaments, uh, if it will, knockout tournaments, uh, we will see, like we said uh, a few years before, maybe he has chances to win such tournament. Because uh, this, uh, this system is very democratic system, and I like it, and uh, give chances to, any, to everybody, to any chance. Really strong player, but Fiddler is a really very strong player, so he has some chances. Uh, with uh, the old system, uh, he, he wouldn't have any chance. Uh, but I hope that old system will not exist more. Well, I'll, I'll ask you one more question. Um, who would you tap as someone, I mean, besides Kramnik, maybe, uh, who could Beat Kasparov in a match under the old system. Who, who is your, who's the younger, youngest, not the youngest, but the younger player now, somebody under 35, who you think could knock off Kasparov in a match? In a 24 game match, Mark. Who, who would you, like, give your nod to as this person has a chance? Uh, difficult to say. Uh, I, I don't know. Because, uh, it's, uh, uh, a very young player should still de uh, develop. And uh, uh, who knows, even if some players have fantastic results when they are very young, it doesn't mean that they will absolutely top uh, players when they will have uh, mature adults. From other hand, it's not only a question of talent and strength, it's a question of organization, question of preparation. You should have a really strong support, financial support, to organize strong team, to work with the team many, several, uh, several years. It's, it's a problem. Uh, because uh, all system gave, uh, gave fantastic advantages for world champions, fantastic advantages. So it was necessary to become really much stronger than uh, all the world champions to beat him. So it was very difficult to arrange even for the great talents like Anand, for example. Yeah, so it's uh, really difficult thing. And again, you're saying that still Kasparov, being a wealthy man and, and a hard worker, will continue to prepare himself. Uh, right, as, right. Uh, as well because, as uh, he did this work from childhood, so it's normal 
haven't been the point that's so weak. So is he the greatest example of the Badvenic school, Gasparo? Uh, yes, yes. But actually, Gasparo would be, he has what chapters even without Badvenic school. It's so fantastic talent. But, uh, and so also, uh, you, uh, what is not less important, that uh, uh, fantastic uh, help from his republic, uh, Azerbaijan, financial, uh, with money, with organization, even with uh, defense, uh, with uh, protection against some Karpov uh, uh, supporters and so on. So it was very important. As far as it, some uh, other top players didn't have, so they had no chance to, uh, to achieve what Kasparov did. Oh, yeah. very interesting, Mark. Mark, I see <coughs> it's all, actually almost 5 after 11, so I think I would like, we, we should end this interview so you can get some rest. But, Mark, could you promise to come on my show again sometime? Uh, uh, well, uh, uh, it would be very nice for me to... Uh, maybe, you know, uh, it's six or eight months or so. Um, problem for me, so I'm ready. No, I like, promise, like, promise you anything, Fred. Thank you, Hannah. No, Mark, I enjoyed it very much, and I know that people like to hear from a great author and teacher. Really, Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed the show, and I want to thank you, Mark, and thank you, Hannah, for, for helping Mark out a little bit and uh, for getting Mark to come to the United States. Uh, again, uh, thank Mark, thanks a lot for appearing on my show. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible. That includes my esteemed producer, Matthew Passy, and... Geert Vandervelt for supplying the intro music and everyone who's put in a good word for the show, whether it be on a podcast platform like Apple Podcasts or telling a friend or anything like that. As you guys know, I spend a lot of time on the show, probably about five hours a week between the research and the booking guests and the social media and the actual interview. I love doing it, but it can be hard to find the time. Which brings me to the financial support. I want to give special thanks to those who contribute to the show. Extra special thanks to Chessable.com for their generous support. And I also want to thank, as always, my Patreon and PayPal perpetual partners. You are Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adam Vrancourge, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, Ali Morchetti, Andres Quizdra, Brian Mullis, Carl Labans, I am Carlos Perdomo of ChessAtlanta.com, Bill Moran, Chad Hilton, Chad Oliver, Chris Balcom, Chris Flanagan, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Chabri, Chris Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, a.k.a. Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Lucas, Daniel Naylor, Daniel D. Schaefer, Daniel Viney, David Cramley, CEO of Chessable.com, Dwayne Edmonds, Ethan Smith, I am elect Donnie Ariel, Frank Tortoris, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Vandervelt, I am Greg Shahadi, Harish Srinivasan, GM Jakob Augard of Quality Chess Publishing, James Bonastia, Jason Willem, Jennifer Valens of OffTheRook.com, Jeffrey Martello, John Fernandez, John Hartman, John Jernigan, WGM Jen Shahadi, Jen Scream, Jerry Wells, John Thompson, Johnny McMenamin, WGM Katerina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, I am Kostya Kovyutsky, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Laura Belyavsky, Leah Delgado, Lorraine Doré, Lucio Casada Silva, Matthew Passi, Macaulay Peterson, Martin Habish, Matthew Tedesco, Nate Salen, Nathan Webster, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passi Passanen, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Peter Merrifield, Randy Temple, Ricky Grijalva, 
Rob Lazorczak, Robert Steiner, Ryan Berg, Ryan Sohn, Steiner Lima, Stuart Katz, WGM Tatia of Abrahamian, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Tim Brennan, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Todd Bryant, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Victor Vrinkulj, Zhao Cheng, and Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks a lot, everyone. Catch you guys next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.